everyone, welcome back to Real Talk NFT, where we talk all things Web3. Super excited today to have on Tyler Adam, CEO of Cause, who is the software development group specialized in blockchain, and also the maker of One Band, a physical ring that can be tied to NFTs. Welcome, Tyler. Thanks for having me. Yes, I'm excited to dive into the ring. But before that, tell us about your background and how you got into Web3. Everyone has a unique story there. Sure. So um, I'm a systems engineer by um, trade, um, also have a mechanical engineering degree, but um, for the past um, six, almost seven years now, I've been working in the blockchain space. Um, I started personally started out um, on my journey by researching decentralized um, storage algorithms um, for um, a previous company that I, I worked for um, and slowly kind of I guess went all in, you know, I went, I guess YOLO crypto is the way that we, we used to call it. Um, and came across this project um, called AntShares at the time. Many of your viewers have probably heard of it. It eventually rebranded into Neo, um, where I was writing a lot of the, um, some documentation and then also working on tooling, um, primarily associated with the consensus algorithms. Um, that were used and that's the similar consensus algorithm that now is being used in um, a lot of other projects specifically like Binance chain mm. um, and over time that group kind of grew and scaled um, to be one of the most reputable kind of product development teams within the industry um, and right now we're working on this core technology um, that we're calling item. And it's um, really this, this concept of non-fungible items, right? Where we are um, effectively building out a software interface for physical assets. And we're doing that using NFTs. Um, since the, the NFT concept and utility built alongside or on top of a permissionless blockchain lends itself really well to the way that we um, we treat physical assets in day-to-day -day life, um, right? If you think about for the same reasons that um, cryptocurrency can be traded, it's permissionless, you can exchange it with people just like a dollar, right? Which is a physical item. Um, you can do the same thing with things like rings. Um, you can do that with art. Um, that's, that's kind of what we're working on, I guess, in simple terms. There's a lot more that you can do with it, but that's really where we're we're focusing on right now. Gotcha. Tell us a little bit about cause. Hopefully I pronounced that correctly. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're good. Um, depending on, um, when people first encountered us, they may have heard the, the name city of Zion. Um, mm. we regularly hear people at conferences that come up and they've used our, our products, but they're not necessarily familiar with cause. Um, so that was part of a rebrand initiative that we did a number of years ago. From the um, Matrix, right? City of Zion? It is, yes. So the the organization name came around about the same time that Neo rebranded from AntShares. Mm. So it's kind of a play on that concept. I see. Um, yeah, that's, that's actually one of the reasons we rebranded because there's, um, like, when you start associating, like, the movie with the company, like we need our own, our own identity. <laughs> so we've gone with cause, but people also say COZ. Um, if they're aware that it's an acronym, we kind of go by either one um, interchangeably. But yeah, we, we started out as an open source um, product development organization. Um, 
We're also one of the first legal DAOs as well, oh, wow. um, which was kind of an, an interesting experience um, to go through, um, especially in the U.S. Um, but Can you give us a high level of that? Because that's the first time I've heard that. And I've been to some conferences and with some lawyers saying how hard it was to do that. Yeah, so we... Um, so we're kind of based on the, it's the Colorado co-op model. So um, we were privileged to have a, a pretty strong legal community um, within Colorado that's very blockchain involved. Um, and the likewise in Colorado, there's um, a really strong history of co-ops. Um, the one of the biggest ones in recent news was like New Belgium, where the community voted to, or the the workers and the team voted to um, effectively sell the company, right? Mm -hmm. And they all were beneficiaries of that. Um, so we're kind of a, a proto um, DAO. And actually before the DAO um, craze showed up kind of in the last cycle, um, we were actually kind of already operating that way. So it, um, when we were originally founded, there were a number um, of kind of community leaders that every week we would vote equally on contributions by the ecosystem and we would distribute awards um, based on that. So kind of similar to, again, a DAO. Um, that's changed a little bit as we've restructured, but we still retain a lot of those properties at like a kind of a corporate level. Wow. So yeah, never even, that you're the first one to have come on that, that is a legalized DAO and DAOs are a big part of NFTs. I love participating in DAOs personally I, from the evolution of 2017 where it was just tokenized DAOs versus now where you have voting rights with NFTs gating that. That's very exciting for me as a consumer. And yeah, I've been, and I told this to the previous guest that came on, I've actually voted more in DAOs than in the, you know, within, within the public government <laughs> and the system that we have. So a little bit embarrassed to say that, but uh, that's kind of what it's unfolded to be. Yeah, that's kind of a, a a secret kind of Easter egg of COZ that I think a lot of people aren't familiar with. Um, so I think our our community would also be find that pretty interesting um, because we just you know it never comes up in conversation. But we are a, like we're a co op um, that is again structured around the, the concept of a DAO. Got it. Got it. Well, tell us about one man. I, I've seen. I've heard inklings of, you know, hardware, physical, hard wallets, but you guys, are, are you the first one to come out with one? I mean, first, I don't want that I've seen. I don't know that we're, we're probably not the first, um, since it's, I think it's really hard to claim that you're the first in anything, um, personally, but the, I think that the merging of this technology where you have a physical asset that is cryptographically unique, um, and then binding that to an NFT in a secure way so that you get extra utility um, from a physical asset. I think we're possibly the first people to do that, or at least we're very early to that market. Um, I think we have a, a pretty big market advantage there. Certainly um, at Consensus, we did a large activation. Um, we gave away about 800 of them oh, wow. um, for kind of a gamified experience. And at the event, we had hour-long lines um, waiting to get them, and I think most of the for most of the people there, it was their first encounter with something like this in the real world. Um, mm -hmm. One of the things that we really pride ourselves on is the the ability to engage um, people with blockchain user experiences 
who may not know anything about blockchain. Mm -hmm. um, so for that activation at consensus, for example, people were using, um, they were using NFTs on mainnet, like on Neo live at the event. And there's no mention of blockchain whatsoever in the entire onboarding experience mm -hmm. or the entire activation for that matter. Um, people didn't need to know anything about it. They didn't even need to know what, you know, a, a private key is, what signing a transaction is. They don't need to know. It, it wasn't relevant to the event, yet they were still using the technology. Um, and that's something that the this ecosystem, and by ecosystem, I mean like the entire Web3 space really needs to push on if they want to reach this like global market adoption target. Um, you know, people don't have hours and hours and hours to spend <laughs> researching what, which wallet they want and things like that. And for that matter, most people don't care. Um, I generally associate it with like the, um, the cloud craze, right? Mm -hmm. Where for a number of years, you know, which cloud provider you were on or the fact that you were on cloud was like a marketable thing. Eventually that's it, like, that became commoditized, right? Everybody's just on cloud. Um, That'll be the same thing with a lot of this technology. So the faster that, you know, products like this can get away from marketing just the, um, just the blockchain component and marketing like the true value, exposing the true value, the, the better off they're going to be. So in our case, right now, at least that is showing up as a ring. Um, I have a couple other examples. So we also did something with Tribeca recently. Um, so we Neo sponsored a movie or a short film directed by Alden Ehrenreich, who's the kind of the young solo actor. And it's a Francis Ford Coppola produced movie film. Um, and we took the 35 mil film um, and we have it encased. Um, and this is a brass wow. cast here and you can actually see the public key is cast on there. Wow. Um, this can cryptographically um, assert itself as a unique item. So it's forgery proof. Mm -hmm. uh, this could not be counterfeit. Um, and it has a software interface as well. So I can write software. Um, and actually, so could you, for example, that uses this to do things like open a door, mm. um, or maybe get you access to a special event at like a dinner or something like that with the cast. Um, or it could be used as a loyalty or rewards program. Um, in addition, you also get, because it's on chain, you get information about provenance, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's counterfeit proof. So there's no real concern about that. If you go to an auction for something like this, you always know the authenticity. Um, there are features like sending people messages. So say this is lost and somebody wants finds it and wants to contact me again, they can send a message to me um, directly as the owner. And I'm the only one that can receive it. Um, when we talk about like the secondary market for assets like that, you can imagine if you, uh, if somebody breaks into your apartment, for example, and they steal all of your stuff, if you have a ring or some other asset that's valuable to you that has this technology in it, um, any secondary market that tries to sell it is an accomplice because there is a mechanism to prove that the person selling it to like a pawn shop is not the owner. Hmm. Um, and they also have a method of contacting the owner. 
Um, so it kind of kills the secondary market, um, at least from like a, a larceny fence perspective as well. So there are a lot of interesting kind of utilities associated with the technology. Um, we've been primarily exploring two main ones. So there's kind of the, the art and the luxury goods space, and then also the gamification um, areas. Those are the ones that, you know, we've been engaging people with um, at events so far. Yeah. Tell us about that. I saw that you did, you did an auction and how did the ring play a part of that? Yeah. So we, um, so at the event we gave out rings. Um, so here's an example of the box that we were giving out, um, as well as sponsors. Um, so we gave out these rings and then people could walk around and they could tap scan the ring to, to assert themselves for a bid on the auction on the stuff. And then these are actually the, the piece that I showed was, this is kind of the proof of concept for the pieces that were auctioned. Mm. Um, so we actually have a collection of N these NFIs, right? Which also yeah. have an NFT associated bound to them um, that were, were auctioned off um, for charity. Got it. So how far away are we from applying, like you mentioned, the this technology to the everyday items that we have? I know it's very ideal to prevent, you know, secondary market scams. How far away is that? Um, realistically, um, if we're talking about like uh, maybe your wedding ring, for example, we're, we're a few years off from global availability, like just this, this general availability of the, the technology. Um, but in terms of like getting access to this, it's it's readily available within the crypto mm -hmm. blockchain space. Like I said, we gave out 800 at consensus is kind of a the, the this initial release to do a proof test um, and to assert the technology. But the it's it's a manufacture it's a manufacturable technology um, that can scale pretty easily. Um, yeah, let's take that wedding ring for example because I recently got married last year. Um, would they, would we have to embed a chip or is it a carving of a key? Like you mentioned, how would we secure that or, or correlate it with, uh, a wallet of sorts? Yeah. So the rings are bound. Um, they're actually, they're an NFC device. So for, for these, for example, and actually for the rings, you can tap scan them, um, depending on the asset class or the type of items, uh, you may need to tap scan it on a reader like this, you're probably familiar with seeing these like at a checkout station or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, but for larger assets, you can actually tap scan them on your phone um, to, and then you can do, it's basically a, an ECDSA signature. So as long as you have your private key, you can assert that you're the owner of the item. Um, the, the chip itself goes in the device. Um, it's not, it, and I think the way for your viewers to think of this is that it, it's, just really a, an intrinsically, it's an intrinsic piece of whatever you're buying. Um, it's not, um, you know, I think of like the Aura Ring, for example, mm -hmm. which is a really amazing piece of technology, but it's also an actively powered thing, right? It's its own separate system. You have to power it. It's a, it's consumer electronics. Um, when we talk about something like a wedding ring that uses this NFI technology or like this ring, for example, mm -hmm. um, this is passive. So it's chemically resistant. It's um, it's intrinsically embedded in this. So they, it has to be destroyed to remove the piece. So it's tamper proof. I see. Um, it 
is passively powered also. So you don't have to like recharge your wedding ring or anything like that. It's just a chip that's, um, that's embedded in the device. So when we talk about like a luxury handbag, for example, or a jacket, it's like, we're talking about maybe the embroidered patch mm-hmm. on it or the logo that's on the device on the bag. Um, you know, it's not this active thing that people need to manage where they're charging everything. It's, um, it's used just like you would, um, would have used the, the, the object anyways. Absolutely. So not necessarily, st- well, we are storing kind of the ownership or provenance of it onto a physical wallet of sorts. I'm, I'm probably saying a wild, wrong word here. Maybe not even a wallet. And, but when people think of that, just any sort of connection with the assets, uh, security is usually top of mind. So how will we kind of uh, explain that to a delay person, how to protect our assets, or is it at risk at all? Uh, it's it's not. Um, so these these rings, for example, and I mentioned they're tamper-proof. Um, these rings, aren't. nobody actually knows the, the cryptographic primitive that's on this ring, for example. Um, it It's not something that we program. The ring or the item technology generates its own cryptographic primitive on configuration, and that's locked. There's no And there's no way to export it. Mm-hmm. Um, so the ring can assert its, its own uniqueness, its own authenticity, and no one else can copy that or has the ability to copy that. Um, so I think that's the way to think about it. So, you know, in a, in a completely, um, confined environment, the ring itself is actually self-sufficient. It can self-assert and it's cryptographically unique. When we take that technology and then we also add an NFT layer to it, um, what we're really doing is exposing the software interface for this ring. Mm-hmm. Um, the NFT piece is not required for this technology to exist, but the NFT component is required to enable a lot of utility for this technology. So you can imagine like one of the big things right now in the NFT world is like access control, right? Or ticketing, mm-hmm. um, right? So you buy access and actually um, Tribeca this year had something like that, right? So OKX offered an NFT pass um, for Tribeca and the NFT was actually the ticket to get in um, to Tribeca, to the the events. Um, You can imagine having something like that, but then when you add a physical asset to it, it becomes the ring that actually grants access or, Mm -hmm. you know, a piece of art. Maybe there's a film strip that grants access to something or enables you to do something in, in a game. So what was previously like exclusively a digital experience now becomes a physical experience, um, as well. Understood. Yeah. It's more of an extension of provenance, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, and then the security lies with the NFT and where it's at. And I actually have, you know, a, a use case for this that well, I wish I had the, a ring uh, that I can prove my provenance with, because I actually have uh, local NFTs from companies that I patronize a Napa wine, a Napa wine one. And I have restaurants actually uh, that I'm going to next week that uh, requires me to show on my wallet that I own the NFT. So they can definitely use the technology of this because I actually had to physically hand my uh, MetaMask wallet uh, to the general manager of this restaurant, surprisingly. Touchy. And that's a touch. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And to your case of of ticketing and whatnot, I've received a a few, I wouldn't say tickets, but digital commemorative tickets uh, Mm -hmm. of, um, you know, events, sporting events that I went to. 
And personally, I would just love the day where we have these tickets and we can just walk through without having to fumble through <laughs> our well, What if you had, you know, if you bought a season pass, right. for example, to a sporting event, that's a very expensive investment. Um, it would be nice to get something that's commemorative of that, that's physical, that's tangible, that you can touch, that also guarantees you access. So you can imagine like a signet ring, for example, mm -hmm. if you buy like a season pass to football games, right? You could get a signet ring and the signet ring is actually your ticket that goes in but then it also is, has a collectability to it because it's unique for that season. Maybe that continues to give value at sporting goods stores, for example. Um, we're, we're phys we, we work and I mean, we live and we exist in a physical world. Um, and it, at least for me, that's, I forget that sometimes um, <laughs> because I spend so much time working in the digital state in the digital world, but like there's still like, there's a lot of value and interesting stuff to do physically. Like we're inherently, like we want to reach out and touch things. We're very kinesthetic or kinesthetic as a species. Um, so, so the, the ring concept in general is, is really fun. And I think it people, it's very appealing to people immediately when they see it, it's a very friendly concept, um, to help demonstrate the technology. Um, you know, I think, as this extends out, we'll probably start to expand into these other spaces. As I mentioned, the art um, and the collectibles areas. The, the restaurant thing is also brings up a very interesting point um, because the ring itself, you know, when we're talking about security, the ring itself, I mentioned that this can assert its own authenticity. Mm -hmm. And then because it's bound to an NFT and I'm the owner of the NFT, I don't need to give my private key out. Exactly to prove the ownership. So in the restaurant example, where you had to like hand over your wallet basically to show yeah. the NFT, you could just scan the ring, right? They could have done a lookup of the NFT and checked the owner. And you could have used something like Wallet Connect, for example, to assert that you are the owner without having to give right. away your wallet. Or if it's a lower security um, kind of experience, you would just scan the ring and the ring would say, you know, I'm authentic, I'm a ticket, you can go in. Um, so there are a couple different ways to play that. But in all of those examples, like you wouldn't have to give your wallet away, um, which is a big use case um, or UX improvement over what you had to go through. Right. Yeah, that experience was definitely interesting. I didn't hold much things of value there. I just thought I wanted to see their process because mm -hmm. not many Web2 companies are pushing, you know, NFT activations in restaurants. And this one was. So I, I wanted to see the full process and to see how far are we away from, you know, my idealistic world, which is where you could just walk into a restaurant or an airplane or a sporting mm -hmm. event and they would just scan you or your ring. And I can see that just improving you know, you know, efficiency, efficiency by factors of magnitude of like 10. What, what's some idealistic use cases that you wish, you know, um, Web3 order ring can provide or some really interesting use cases that you are seeing right now? Yeah. So I guess the, the, the anecdote I tell people is how this technology, at least for me, really took off and really sparked my, my imagination. That's like this idea travel with friend, like adult friends, right? Um, so it's really common and you're you're in the West Coast. So like going to Vegas is kind of like a normal thing that a lot of people do. I don't yeah. play card games though. 
<laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's just, that's not my thing. I'm more of like a tabletop RPG player or like, mm-hmm. board, I like board games and stuff oh, like I love that. Board games. Yeah. Um, what I, what I would like to do, what would actually get me to travel though, is if my friends and I had these physical assets and we were effectively live action role playing, but there were, oh. there were stakes involved, right? So maybe you go on some adventure, some quest, right? And you battle some dragon or some ogre troll or something in the forest, maybe if it's an outdoor expedition, or you go to Vegas and there's some like like <laughs> mob kind of interactive experience, right? And there are real rewards that show up at the end, right? So when you loot a chest, you get maybe there's a gold ring, or maybe there's like a scepter, which also has this technology in it, which has other properties, which allow you to do other things in future activations. Um, or maybe, you know, you defeat the dragon and there's a physical chest. So like these actually, um, these chests mechanically open using this technology, Wow. for example. So and we had those at consensus two years ago, um, at the activation before the rings. So something like that, where like you open the chest and you get gold like Mm -hmm. real gold or like tokens, Um, you know, we can do all of that stuff using this tech. And that's to me, what makes me want to travel with my friends. That seems at least personally, that seems a lot more exciting than poker, but I'm not like not to bash poker players. There are lots of people that like it. I'm just bad at poker. Wow. (laughs) I'm really bad at blocking. So yeah, no, that sounds amazing. I, I tell a lot of people because of NFTs, I've actually reconnected with old friends. I haven't talked to 20 years. I've actually, I want to say forced to travel, but I traveled because these NFTs gave me access to something more valuable. Mm-hmm. Uh, for NBA Top Shop, the simplest example, I got to go top golf with, you know, three or four champions within, within the NBA. And, and But what you're saying is another level. I don't know what to call that. That's like Pokemon Go on steroids with real world assets. Uh, yeah, that sounds amazing. That's something that I, th- I think a lot of people are working on. I've actually interviewed quite a few people. Um, wow. How, how far? I mean, who do you think's coming out with that first? Is it you guys? Is it a big gaming publisher? I would like to say it soon because it seems like 2023, at least from all the guests I've had on, all the money has been going into Web3 Gaming. Yeah. So from, uh, from these like alternate reality experiences, that's actually what are very similar to what we demoed at consensus. So we did a waypoint activation. Um, and there was this generative lizard NFT that was done by a Ubisoft character designer. Okay. And there are about 15,000 different combinations of this character. And as people took their ring through the different waypoints, they leveled up their character. Um, so I think this, I mean, this year, there will definitely wow. be, I can guarantee that that will be in the market um, or something like that. Um, the What that looks like and where it goes, though, I think is is going to be very interesting, right? I think this is kind of a, a relatively novel space. Um, and you're right, like the Pokemon Go stuff, like everybody, at least in our generation, everybody loves Pokemon, Pokemon Go and that type of concept. Um, we also were you know, benefactors of this alternate reality wave, which showed up, um, you know, probably about 20 years ago. That was really big. We're like movies and things like that. We're pushing on these like hidden underlying Easter eggs, which was a thread people could pull um, within the real world to kind of build in this gamification. So I think what we're really working on with this technology is exposing that, but Mm -hmm. leveraging 
like the value proposition that blockchain um, provides to to give a lot of extra um, extra firepower, extra capabilities, right? Um, the decentralized nature helps a lot with that since we don't necessarily need to spin up a server um, to control it all and manage it. The, the ecosystem, like there's this digital fabric that manages the entire thing. So it's relatively self-sufficient. Um, you know, if you think about it, when we, we release these rings, um, something that's really important with that is if you have a wedding ring, for example, you don't want to stake like all of the value, like the utility of that wedding ring, if it has this chip in it, on the existence of the company that produced it, hmm. right? Like that's right, a right. that's a big consideration. In seventy years, you may still have this wedding ring, right? Hmm. Um, and you're probably going to want to continue using it to its fullest extent if if there was a utility and that was a, a purchase decision, right? Um, with the way that this technology is set up and because the infrastructure is on DLT, our organization could cease to exist in 70 years, but the technology would still function. That's amazing. Um, and that's, that's a really critical piece because physical assets last, right. you know, they last a very long time, especially compared to, um, like the tech space. Um, so from a, from that perspective, the decentralized value proposition is very high, um, since the probability that the these distributed ledger technologies exist like long after, and if I'm being realistic, like long after this market, like this organization or these projects exist, is very high. So, um, having something like this that doesn't rely on any individual organization or entity to function is really critical. Um, that's actually one of the reasons that we we've chosen to implement this on N3 because it is one of the kind of the longest running um, platforms with a decent track record. Um, you know, we if we're building something that's going to need to have utility in 25 years, we're going to pick a platform that has lasted more than you know six months. Yeah, I'm currently thinking in longer time frames because uh, I'm expecting my first in September, and these digital assets, thank you, thank you. These digital assets I'm thinking of passing on and maybe even physical assets tied to these digital uh, um, hardware will be something that will be, the technology will be iterated on for years and years and years. And it will be amazing to see, you know, that pass on for future generations, which, you know, it's possible before, but just, you know, better so with the technology we have now. Right. There's also, it's, I think it's a little um, easier for you to manage that yourself. Right. So when we talk about like DLT um, and in the way that ownership works within this space and this technology, it's a little easier to manage that um, independently. Right. The, the the overhead of handling that in like kind of traditional the traditional space mm -hmm. um, is a little more complicated. Yeah. I'm, all, I'm also kind of afraid of the implications of having, you know, um, these assets, these physical assets being tied to, you know, in a digital way, because now you open whole wormhole of leveraging these assets quite potentially and another FTX, many FTX is happening amongst, you know, individuals. So that's something that we haven't crossed over yet, but is an interesting topic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the benefit of, um, of these, and this is actually something that we're, we're currently investigating is the, the clearinghouse situation. So there's, 
Um, the centralized exchange model is a little different when you start talking about assets, right? It actually becomes a clearinghouse instead. Um, you know, how do you transfer these to somebody like say on an exchange, um, in a way that ensures that the person gets the actual asset on the other side, right? You can transfer an NFT is a lot easier, um, alone, right? Because you, you transfer it, there's a contract invocation, or if it's on a centralized exchange, it's, you know, a number on a server, right. Um, in a database, um, with these, that, that has to occur, but then there's also the physical, like the shipping of these. Um, in a lot of ways, the, the exchange model for something like this is actually more similar to like an eBay, for example, or like a Sotheby's than like uh, an OKX or a Binance or an mm -hmm. FTX. So, um, so that's kind of an interesting space. And that's something that the blockchain market or sector is really not prepared for um, it, and it will need to be as these become these rise in popularity and um, that this technology spreads. You know, it, at consensus, there were multiple projects that were starting to investigate this. We actually, it, within our ecosystem, we have uh, a number of communities that are looking at this technology as something to scale. So this is going to be something that shows up. Mm. Um, the the question that my colleagues and I have is who, like, who are we working with and who do we want to affiliate ourselves with to build out the, the, the exchange support? Right. Um, do we need to build that ourselves or do we partner with some of the, these other exchanges to build out the support? Um, there's also a lot of interest from traditional clearinghouses as well. Um, so that's something that um, we spend a lot of time discussing because it just, you know, these exchanges aren't designed to support physical needs, right? Um, as well as the the recertification as well, right? Um, making sure that the thing that's being transferred is authentic. How do you do that? Um, and then on the receiving end, how do you handle that as well? There's almost a, if you want to think of it as like an OTC type of solution, mm -hmm. which is something that's a little more familiar or crypto friendly. Um, it's really an OTC service. Wow. Wow. There's a lot of I see that you guys are working on a lot. I'm glad Brighter Minds are on it than my own. So I'm super excited to have you back in the future to talk about auto progresses because we we haven't even touched on AI. And I probably don't want to <laughs> living here in the Bay Area. We talked about this before. I, you know, every company is an AI company now or trying to repurpose themselves. I heard even the VC company Paradigm, which was Web3 Focus, is now rebranding to AI. Uh, but I'm sure with, with that, with AI and also the progress in blockchain, every week is, you know, the goalposts kind of pushed. So I imagine that we're gonna have a much different conversation just maybe a few weeks down the road. Probably, yeah, it would be great to get together um, and touch base in the near future. Um, especially as some of this technology establishes as we roll out more general availability of the tech. Be great. Absolutely. I'm gonna put all the links on where to find you, Tyler, and also cause down below and, and of course the ring. And um, we would look forward to having you on to the next show, Tyler. Yeah, it'd be great. Thanks for having me this time. Thank you. Bye. Bye.